Hey Lester. Hey Art. How you doing? How you doing? Doing good, you know. Uh, keeping um, busy, uh, staying creative. Uh, again, it's you know we're living in weird times, uh, and uh, with everything going, it's important at least to stay sane, stay creative, stay safe. We welcome the listeners. Go ahead. So, welcome to the chocolate and chai show. Chocolate and chai. So, you know, I've been shooting uh, this uh, project uh, for the last few weekends, and that's been keeping me busy. So, nice. I've just been watching a lot of TV, watching some movies here and there, and just trying to stay creative. We're supposed to be working on a film, the two of us. So I'm looking forward to filming that. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to that as well. And you know, still uh tying the bow, so to say, or at least finishing the edges on our other two projects. Uh it's um it's oh, interesting yeah. to see how long post production takes, right? Especially if you're looking for good quality, right? Like small things like sound and color and you know, uh can take forever. Totally. Totally. I did not expect this, but it's part of the process. So we'll make it happen. We'll, we'll get it done. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get it done. I mean, you know, we are, we are getting it done. But, uh, it's interesting to see how long long it takes. I'm looking forward to sometime soon getting back to our filmmaking series where we can talk a little bit more about the production and post-production process, uh, looking at everything that we are learning. What are you watching these days? Yeah, they got this movie out on Netflix it's called The Guest. It was really good. <laughs> I like horror films and this was almost like a a horror film. Hmm. You don't like sci-fi but you like horror. I know, but it's not a horror film in the cheesy sense though. But anyway, it's a film about this army soldier who comes back from war and he surprises this family and he says that he knew the family's son who happened to die in the war. Mm. And so they invite him in and they think that he's this nice guy and he turns out to be this monster. He doesn't really know the family's son. He lies about all of those things and slowly but surely he tries to kill everybody in the family. Well, wow, you're giving yeah. up the whole story. You got to tell people that you're Spoiler alert oh. before you start spoiling it for people. Yeah, you right, you right. Well, that's why it's called the guest cuz you think, "Oh, it's a nice guest," but interesting, interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think you would like it. You should check it out. Yeah, I'm not really into much into horror films, but I enjoy psychological thrillers and you know that kind of horrors that have some thriller and you know some dark comedy in that aspect. I I watched recently an old film 2015 or I don't remember like it's been a few years uh, circle. Uh, which is um, you know sci-fi uh, but also like you know social thriller kind of uh, film which is very interesting it's about like a group of uh, people 60 70 people stuck in this room where every minute a person is dying and they have to kind of uh, and they have to decide who dies oh like a ultra low budget film shot all in one room right so but it got really good buzz and and i wanted to see what and learn from it uh, that how it was done and everything it was very good it, it tackles a lot of social issues and stuff in that model because it's about like people decide amongst them who should die first right 
So yeah, many, good. so many reasons they pick like social issues. They can do that, right? Race and you know LGBTQ aspect of it. You know, really? people who high hated, people who like it. You know, sinners, non-sinners, uh, immigrants. You know, old people. Like there's all these interesting things uh, because they, as a group, have kind of have to vote who dies. Otherwise, uh, this is this is cool. Uh, it was interesting. It was very interesting film. So I saw that, and I saw the King of Staten Island, the Pete Davidson movie. That I just oh had. yeah, yeah. It's on my list. I heard it was really good. It's good. I mean, it's funny. It's um, like I think it's kind of in between. The problem is, it could have been a really funny co- comedy or a really good drama film, and it's not either. It's not a super funny comedy, and it's kind of not super dramatic. It kind of lingers in between and touches both here and there. So that's the weak right. point. Uh, mm. But it's it's good, and the second half is really good. Steve Buscemi is amazing. I love him. He's an amazing, amazing actor, and uh, it's it's well done. It's well done. So you know, keeping entertained, keeping busy uh, is important. So. Yeah, they said Pete Davidson was really good in that, though. He's good. He's, I mean, he's playing himself, right? And he's very good at playing himself, so... Oh, okay. he's, he's good. He's good. I mean, you know... He is good, yes. But, you know, it's very him, but it's his story anyways. It's kind of his biograph- biography, right? So, kind of based right, on right. So, yeah. Got you. It, I tried to watch... It's great. Speaking of movies, mm-hmm. I tried to watch the new Spike Lee movie. Did you see it? No, it's on my list. Uh, the... Five bloods. Yeah, the, yeah, the five bloods. Yeah, it's on my list. So, yeah. but I think by the time we talk next week, uh, next time I should have watched it. But then we can talk about that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm doing oh. one. Yeah, it's a yeah. Spike is great. I love, love, love Spike Lee. He's an amazing storyteller. Great, great writer. Great director. Is is the is the OG? He's, yeah, he's a legend. He's a legend. He's absolutely a legend. So, anything he does is great. So I totally look forward to watching it. But uh, you know, with everything going, I think we have just dedicated uh, our episodes primarily to um, raise black voices. You know, learn, share for people to learn, and you know, uh, do this uh, this kind of stuff um, where uh, you know we get to learn from it, and people, our listeners, get to learn from it. Uh, and this part, I've been doing the same on my podcast. I had uh, Bill Myers, who was really amazing. You you heard him, right? Yeah, yeah, he was great. Yeah, was great. so uh, it was really good. Uh, very informative conversation uh, from Emmy Award winner, uh, you know, uh, biracial man. And today we have uh, another fantastic guest after Alyssa last week, who was wonderful. Um, we have uh, Laura Poindexter. Yes, Laura Poindexter. Wait until you hear her. Right, right. So, all right, let's uh, you know, let's bring her on and uh, uh, get the conversation going. Stay tuned, guys. Hey, Laura. Hey, hey, hey. What's up? What's up, guys? How are you? We're doing great. We're doing great. Thank you so much for taking your time out to be on the show. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Can you introduce yourself to the world? Oh, absolutely. I love introducing myself. You know that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, My name is Laura Poindexter. 
and I am an actress, uh, producer, director, a multi-award winning screenwriter, and I have just been named Screenwriter of the Year by the International Christian Film and Music Festival. So I'm excited about that. What's up? What's up? What's up? Congratulations. Welcome to the podcast, sir. So, so uh, it's a pleasure to have you. You're a wonderful person. I got a chance to meet you when I was in Atlanta, and I'm already in love with you. So thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you both for having me. Let's just jump into the conversation, you know, with everything going uh, right now, I think there is no way that uh, one won't speak uh, about it, right? We have to. We all have to raise our voices with everything going uh, with Black Lives Matter and all this injustice that we're uh, seeing in society right now. So how, how are you dealing with all this? Uh, uh, what's uh, your viewpoint? Is there anything you would want to share? Oh my gosh, we don't have that long, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> we don't have that long, but I'm gonna give the, the short version of it. I, I think that I'm exhausted in, in most people of color. And when I say people of color, I am not speaking um, about just African-American people. I'm speaking about anyone who is outside of the, uh, superior race. So when I say people of color, <laughs> not just black people. Okay. Exhausted with the argument about systemic racism. I'm tired of it. Everybody know that it is exists. We know that. Right. We right. know that it exists. So I do not want to keep on being queen obvious. I'm not going to talk about slavery. I'm not going to talk about statistics. I want to talk about what we're going to do to change the narrative for people of color in the United States of America, period. And so um, really, to be honest, guys, uh, after seeing, um, because I didn't watch the Floyd video right away because <clears throat> I had just watched the other one, the Albury one. So I, I couldn't watch it right away. And when I did watch it, it physically made me sick for two days. I was physically sick. I couldn't eat. I couldn't get out of bed. It physically made me sick. Wow. Because it, it, it's not it's not just a black and white thing. It is a humanity thing. And, and so I, I, I know that people say, well, Laura, you can't take color out of it. But can we just for one minute, if, if people don't mind humoring me, let's just take color out of it for one minute. We need to learn how to treat people humanely, despite their color. It, 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 the way that we treat each other, period, has got to change. change. We are change. our own worst enemy. And if we plan on seeing a future to us as a people, as a civilization, it has to stop because we cannot continue to go on like this. I love that. I think the responsibility lies on everybody. It's not just one particular race or one specific person. I think everybody has to step up and treat one another better. So I totally agree with that. You know, uh, African-Americans, black people, brown people, uh, you know, have been stepping up for too long. So, I mean, uh, you know, uh, and of course we are fighting our fight. We are telling our stories as storytellers, as people every day. But uh, uh, I think um, it, it's just, 
it's just upsetting annoying uh, uh painful and uh, and more uh, what uh, what's, what's happening and what keeps on happening right i mean it's um, it's just unbelievable but i completely agree with you that you know it's not uh, it's not just a question of uh, who is going to get it affected with it it's not just going to be people of color the entire country the entire human race depends on this and i 100% agree with you on that yeah so mm-hmm. well yeah and you know what else guys that I, that i've noticed is that the the power infrastructure has interwoven all of these ideologies and all of these these um belief systems that keep other people so that the smaller the the smaller populations or races we're arguing and fighting amongst ourselves because of the racism that we all face from the larger entity now all of us in we do this in fighting amongst ourselves and that is one of the strategies that they use to stay on top and i think that we really True. yeah you know what i mean we really Very need true. to look at the strategies that they are using because you know black people say oh the mexicans are taking our jobs and then we don't like these people that that in fighting is a strategy of the power structure and we need to let all of that mess go and we need to unite because it's it's not black against white or puerto rican or indian it is us against them right well said well said and that's so true i mean in india when british were ruling india until 1947 there was this uh, term that they used to uh, you know it was popular and they'll apply which was called divide and rule so mm-hmm. you know they would put uh, in india for longest time different sections and there i mean there's kind of really not you know it's, it's a one race uh, for the most part the country is one race but they were able to find divisions using religion right. using uh, society structure right you know which uh, uh, economic structure uh, you know your education uh, your uh, residence so all those things financial systems and of course religion is always big in that uh you know using all those things to make people fight against each other divide and rule and then when people different people from Mahatma Gandhi and others uh, talked about the message of unity and uh, you know fighting and then that's how the country was able to get british out of the country so that is so true that is so true that divide and rule is this uh you know white mentality that just and you know, and again i'm not against white people we all you know there was a time when people would say i have a black friend we all have white friends we have a lot of you know good white friends but i think the biggest thing that we all see is the white privilege that is unbeknownst to them exist and they use it every white person uses that they that's use why it. i agree when I you're agree. not white you know what it means like i mean not I, i always say i do not understand what being black is because i'm not black i can never understand what it is uh, growing up black but i do understand what not being white means <laughs> well god it's crazy because and i probably can talk to you guys about this because since this has happened i have come up with and you guys are going to love this an idea for a movie short and i am entitling it so i'm saying that the first time here on this show this is the first time i've ever spoken it to anybody i'm going wow. to call it Thank white you. white wine 
W-H-I-N-E. And white wine <laughs> is nothing more than white privilege for white trash. Oh, I'm going in. Wow. That's what I have discovered that even white people who are not as educated, that live in the ghetto, that are on welfare, find a way to whine about why they're not where they're supposed to be. So white wine is basically white privilege for white trash. I'm going in. Wow. Well, that's an interesting title. That, that is very interesting. And I think that's definitely something I would uh, like to you know, <laughs> say and know more about. And, uh, and you know, as you're saying, that, that is so true, though, that... Uh, they, even at that level, so it's not just the financial level, right? Even if you're at that financial level and the social economic level, you still consider yourself uh, to be better because, and that, that, what have you got at that point? It's just this idea of white supremacy, mm-hmm. which is right. And that's what enrages me that, you know, white supremacy is okay, but just asking to matter is not okay. It's, wow. Right, like it's uh, it's not the what is the ask? Like people that get bothered with Black Lives Matter, like what is the ask here? Asking mm. to matter is that the like you know uh, I was I'm, I'm guessing you might have seen it on Twitter and you know this video was going viral where this black woman is talking about like you should be thankful that all we are asking is for equality and not revenge. Ooh, I love that. So no. Yeah, so I mean, there there's so much to, uh, and anybody who doesn't understand what's happening or why it's happening is not just ignorant, but also like definitely on very wrong side of the history, right? Yeah, and absolutely. I, it, yeah, it Lord, kind of has a way of correcting itself over time after a lot of pain, but you know, from uh, Hitler to whoever you see, people don't last. And you're not on the right side, so that that's so true. Uh, but I, I wanted to ask you something, right? Growing up, uh, about growing up black, like you know, and that's because of, uh, experience of not being white. Do you have any uh, specific experiences, stories with cops, or in just in general, that uh, that you would want to sh- uh, share for our listeners, at least, especially non uh, non black listeners, just to uh, get a first hand account of you know, okay. uh, little things that you know you have to endure just because of color of your skin. I, I would, okay, so I was I was born in, in 1965 and you know, when I was born, we were actually just, just breaking out of segregation. And uh, so <clears throat> in New York and in my family, we, we lived in Harlem in Sugar Hill and that was considered the, the good part or the better part of Harlem. I can honestly say that I knew that racism existed as I grew up, but my family did a a lot to shield. And I I don't think that it was just my family. I believe that in communities such as Harlem, we created our own insulated community. And Mm -hmm. within that, that community, we felt safe. We were. We all took care of each other. And whenever we had to go out to and get on the train and go downtown and go to Times Square or go to Central Park or go wherever we went, 
we had this sense of self about us. So I can honestly say that I knew that it existed, but I had a sense of black pride that insulated me to some degree. Wow. Now, for the African-American men and boys growing mm-hmm. up, mm-hmm. their experience, I could say, was different. It was it was nothing to on um, a Sunday morning here that Miss Mary's son was arrested by the police for um, just coming home from work. It was not um, an odd story to hear that um, Susie's uh, brother got beat up by the police. So it was different. I can say that it was different for the African-American men in, in our community than it was for the women. I'm not saying that racism didn't exist, but I can tell you that I had a sense of black pride and black power about me that somebody could look at me and in and, and the women and the the way that we grew up, they would be like, I don't know if I want to try her. That sense of black pride made me say, I understand what this is, but you know, I, I, I can honestly say that, uh, and my grandmother and my family too, we were very cultured. Um, we did, we had tickets to the theater in Broadway. I danced for the Dance Theater of Harlem. Um, we got really good grades. And as a result of me and my sister getting good grades, we did a lot of domestic travel. So because my grandmother experienced racism firsthand, she made right. sure that she cultured both myself and my sister. And, and so, you know, there is a different treatment based on how the ruling class uh, ascertains the way you present yourself. Right. So you right. don't get to see, I didn't get to see as much discrimination as a counterpart that might not have been as educated or a counterpart that didn't know the soup spoon from the teaspoon or the salad fork from the so I knew all of those things so my grandmother equipped me to I guess be more acceptable to the white palate wow Mm. Laura I, I gotta ask you a question because I do feel like black people have this idea that we are the inferior race. How were you able to sort of take on that bravado? Because not everybody has it. Is it something that you're born with or is it something that you sort of develop through time? And how, how could you help somebody who's going through that right now who might not feel as empowered as you feel or as you felt? Well, the first thing I have to say is I didn't, I didn't, discover until I'll I'll be 55 in a couple of months. I didn't discover that um, unfortunately the religion that was given to us was the religion that was given to them, my my ancestors, by people who twisted, twisted and used religion. Religion has been used throughout the ages for people to manipulate situations. So I now in my later years, I've come to the realization that I, my people, people of color are the people of creation. 
It is not if you have a black father or a black mother, you have a drop of black blood. If you are living and breathing, you come from us. We are the cradle of civilization. I, I and, and so because that lesson has been taught throughout life that we are less than, we didn't get history, we didn't learn, knowing that empowers me even more. However, my family, as dysfunctional as we were, we were very, we were very proud people. We, my grandmother, and I, I just, I can't, I can't, I gotta keep mentioning her and keep mentioning her, and then I'm gonna give you the other side to the coin. My grandmother exposed my sister and myself to white folks early on. So I was not intimidated. I had white friends from the time I can remember. Interesting. And that, see, what, what happens too is that in these pockets of communities that we create for ourselves, they're normally communities that are red line communities. Red line communities are communities that are considered impoverished. It is a is a safe haven for us. Nobody's bothering us. It's something that we can claim as our own, but it's a very, very small part of the larger world. My grandmother knew that that was a small part of the larger world and she would not allow me and my sister to be comfortable in that. She says, yes, this is what we have here, but I need to show you what the world looks like. And in that exposure. So I think that um, a lot of feeling inferior is because you don't have exposure to what is outside of that radius. There's so many people of color that have never, ever, they've, they've, they've never gone anywhere. They've never done anything. They've never tasted new foods. They've never listened to different music. Music. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it's a thing where yeah. we become so, I guess, so angry with what 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 we say is um, not getting our fair share and not having ample opportunities. And it makes us angry and it makes us tense and it makes us very resistant yeah. to what is going on outside of us. And in order to combat your enemy, you got to know your enemy. Wow. Uh, well said. Uh, although one thing I would like to add, and again, I can just speak from uh, my experience um, coming into this country. I think, uh, and I've done some reading about it, a lot of this comes uh, from colonialism, right? Where white people enslaved mm-hmm. uh, all these other countries, all people of color, India, Africa, right? You mm-hmm. know, and, all, and brought people in. And that's where this idea of white superiority comes because, you know, uh, India was a rich, rich, rich country. But then they came in and started taking all the riches and, you know, UK, and it's like it's in trillions the amount of riches statistically, right? You know, have they, they took from India, but also engraved this idea of white superiority, right? So I'm just saying, I grew up with people that all looked like me in an independent country, like we, India got, became independent in 47. But uh, the way you see this idea of white superiority somehow is there. Even a white, you know, a white uh, tourist comes to the country, and I remember as a kid, some people were like, "Oh, that's so like something so uh, exotic, something so special, right? Uh, something so great." Even he might be like a homeless person back at uh, wherever he's coming from. 
but you had this idea of somehow he is superior and when you come to this country like you know and that's my idea of racism is adapting and changing and that's why i feel so passionate about this because in, in early time it was all about fitting in right you oh i have white friends and they like me and i'm fitting in so let's not uh, stir the pot right as long as they like me and there's no problem that's okay but then you soon start realizing over time at least i did that you know it's just it's not okay just because i can make sense and they like me if their perspective is wrong towards many others that are not white then it's not okay because yeah absolutely right okay for my brothers and sisters and my people so it's just not okay just because i can fit in that's not enough and I yeah, absolutely right advantage of that and i, I don't know why I, i don't know i it will take me years to understand but there for a lo- longest time it's just like fitting in like being white like act white right why 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 care just act white i act like them and if they accept you this makes sense but why can i act like myself and still be accepted absolutely no i no i i i agree with you wholeheartedly and i agree when you talk about the riches that that was taken out of your country i i explain it all the time so you come to africa <clears throat> and you you decide that you're going to bring people from africa over to america that was taken from the american indians to build america now when you were in africa you discovered that africa was a rich continent and right. what you did was that you came back and you told people that we were animals and that we didn't appreciate what we had now watch this if i live in florida and oranges grow in my backyard oranges are not valuable to me that doesn't mean that i don't value them gold gold wasn't gold wasn't a big deal to us because it was nothing for me in in my motherland to walk out on top of a gold mine or in, or on top of a diamond mine And so not only did you take the people you took the people out and then you came in and you took everything out of the continent and even if american african americans wanted to go back to the motherland now the people there they don't want us because they consider us american and it doesn't matter whether we're their same color because all they know is that americans came in and raped the land Right, from right. the people to right. everything in the continent. And so this, this what we are dealing with is is just this it's 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 a huge it, it's so messy guys. It's so messy and horrible and nasty and the people that are the ruling class, they know what they have done. So let's be honest. All we can ask for is for for black lives to matter for other lives to matter because to be completely honest if we were to seek re- retribution then we would eliminate you people Come we on. would eliminate you for all that you have done throughout time and, 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 and we don't know the history they buried their history these people come from the nether netherlands we had to teach you how to bathe everything that you know mathematics comes from e- everything everything you've ripped off everything you stolen and pillaged and tore shit up from sea to shining sea so at this point all we can do is in order for it not to be an absolute slaughter 
and we wake up and say, who's left? Okay, we're gonna start this again. All we can ask at this point is for any life that is not a white supremacist life, we need that life to matter. Because to be completely honest, guys, we can't get retribution for all that you would done. That would take us a million lifetimes. Because any place that we can name, any people that we can name, you if you went into it, you destroyed it. History proves it. True. Everything y'all touched, y'all tore up. Y'all didn't leave nothing the way you found it. Nothing the way you found it. Mm. Wow. So where do we go from here though? That that question is um that's that's the that's the the million dollar question, Lester, is where do we go from here? Um, there was a time when I, you know, we did the, the looting, the first time that I experienced looting, I was, I was a child, I was an infant when we did the looting for the assassination of Martin Luther King. But then I was, I was of age when there, there was the rioting for Rodney King. And I was saying to myself, because as, as you said, I was one of those African-American people that fit in. And because I was able to fit in and I was accepted, then I was against the looting. I had been brainwashed to say, I fit in. And if you just do these things, you could fit in too. too. So, Mm -hmm. right. So there's the process that you go through as you live and you learn. So now when they were looting this time, I was like, all I can tell you is, Get a sign that says Black Lives Matter. Get a sign that says Black Owned Businesses because that you reap, you gonna sow. I don't tell me about Black people tearing up nothing. Don't tell me about you in two weeks. I watched two men, Black men get killed on television within two weeks. I don't care. I don't care what they burn up. So when, 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 when we get to a part where, and I consider myself a very civilized person. I said, don't tell me nothing about what they burning up. All I can tell you, like I said, get a sign that says Black Lives Matter, get a sign that says Black Owned Business, or, or, or get some more shells for your Smith & Wesson. I don't know what to tell you, but you can't keep killing people yeah. and thinking that this is not gonna come back. You cannot keep doing that. Right. This cannot continue to happen. And so when it gets to the part where where people like me, I'm all for a nice town hall meeting. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) At this point, I was like, I ain't think about no town hall meetings. I ain't not, I ain't not, whatever. You know, and and, and it's it's just really, it's, it's tense right now. It's bad, it's bad right now, guys. And I could, I tell you, I love being a problem solver. I love having the answers. You know, I pride myself on that. I don't have the answer for this one. I don't. Wow. How something do you feel my, about it? Yeah. Something my friend to you, you, you heard uh, Bill Myers was saying on the podcast. I had him on my other podcast uh, 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 the Saturday. And then he was talking about uh, the Constitution. How the Constitution was written by these group of wealthy white men for their people, not for women, not for people of color, not for 
black people. I mean, they were not considered people at that point. We all know that, but I don't want to get into those details. But that's, I think, at the constitution level, the document that we revere, you know, it was never supposed to be equal. Not in their, their eyes, not in their... So, you know, the answer... Like, we have to come up with that answer. Because the answer is not there. True. Because the system yeah. is great. That's... I'm yeah, absolutely. The system is great. So Let, Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's uh, shift gears a little bit and uh, talk a little bit about our uh, role, you know, uh, as storytellers in this, right? Because we are storytellers and I feel storytellers play an important role. You know, the history is written by winners and that used to be a fact for the longest time. But thankfully with social media and everything, technology and everything, we all have power to tell our stories. That is the reason I think we are on streets because that was captured on video, right? So storytelling in any way, shape and form has, uh, is very important. So um, what, what, is, uh, what is it that you're working on? What, what are the kind of stories and things that, that is keeping you motivated, keeping you uh, excited, Inspired. keeping you going? Yeah. Um, well, actually, uh, just, just for the past, probably now, almost going on, well, probably uh, close to a year um, since uh, Lester and I did the the next assignment, we've been working on that restructuring of the company and uh, working on that web series. It's an action drama web series that follows the life of April Butler, an Atlanta heiress. So mm-hmm. that that's what I have been um, working on just recently. The, the thing with that is that and more than telling stories for me, Art, I was helping another African-American woman to restructure her company. And that is really what I've been doing because at the end of the day, we can write and create stories, but unless we have, we're working from a good foundation, a lot of projects, you know, you, I know you guys, I'm, I'm talking to two, two people that are in the business. Um, I am over getting started with a project and it never goes to finish and you know people are dropping the ball and it's not professional so I've been really digging my heels in to help build um, April Morrison production and I work full time um, for that company so we're, we're really excited we just had the table read and actually had Lester sit in as a consultant because he's coming in in episode three but he came in and he sat in as a consultant for us at the table read. So that was really, really great. Oh yeah, that was, cool. fun. That was fun. I can't wait till we start filming. And again, I don't know if anybody knows this or not, but Laura Poindexter is an incredible showrunner. She's a great project manager. If you need somebody to run your operation from top to bottom, she is that person. Cause I got a chance to see her live and in action and it was just incredible so cool. i saw her uh, live in action at uh, the conference the atlantic just conference where we were and, and i can say that she was had so many hats on and she was putting all those hats on uh, as needed and you know at delivering excellence in every role uh, as uh, you know on stage as a speaker you know doing managing and so many functions, interviewing people, like everything. You're an all-rounder uh, star uh, is what I can see in you, Laura. You're, you're amazing, and that's you know, and that's uh, that's an example for people to follow. 
you know, and, and inspires people. So, and, and it's important to tell those stories, like whatever, everything that you're doing, you're inspiring people and showing back excellence, what they call. I think that's how you start gaining the confidence if you don't have it by seeing people excelling, regardless of race and, you know, all those things. So you're and- amazing. But you know what, guys? This is the craziest part. So, so let's let's stay controversial. I like staying controversial. So, a lot of times when people see me, especially people of color, this is what I get. She thinks she's white. She thinks she's better than everybody else. She think, you know, and it is so sad that the and then not everybody. I don't believe any all of one people is any of one thing. So, you know, I everybody has to be mindful. I don't care what color you are. You have to be mindful because racism is so prevalent that you can be a racist and not even know it. So I have to make sure that I'm checking myself. You know what I'm saying? True. But I find that the way that I operate is not always appreciated by people of color. Um, uh, what do you guys think about that? Hmm. I just think that in general, people might find you too confident. The key word being confident because you don't see a lot of mature women like yourself who are sort of running things. You are a boss lady. And I think that sometimes people are threatened by that. And I, when I say people, I'm talking about white people, black people, just people in general. But I love that about you. I love that you can walk into a boardroom and ask for what you deserve, right? Because I feel like at this point in our careers, we need to stop settling. We need to step up and say, listen, this is what I'm worth. This is what I bring to the table. Yep, And this is what I can do for you, period. I love that about you. You wear that well. So I feel like you shouldn't even apologize. I know you don't apologize for being. No, I'm not apologizing for. I ain't apologizing for shit. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I think you just have to be who you are. Well said, Lester. Well said. Okay. And speaking of Lester, let me just say, guys. So I've been crazy busy, and I've been wanting to watch the Wu Tang Clan saga of the Wu Tang Clan. So last night I say, you know, Laura, you got a little time off. Let's check it out. So I'm watching Wu-Tang and then I say, hey, I know that dude right there. That's Lester Green. Lester's <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. So I just wanted to say it, it did me, it made my heart feel good to see you on that screen doing your thing. I am so proud of you. And watch this, watch this. I, I call him, I'm like, yo, you do, you did so great. You did great on Wu-Tang, yo, Lester, ha! He says to me, Laura, you know, it was just a small role. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> that was just being modest. So that's good. It was That's really good. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lester's everywhere. Lester's shining all across the spectrum. So, you know, it's, uh, that's that's amazing. But, uh, 
that yeah thank you so much for sharing uh, all the insight and everything i mean as uh, i keep saying that i think the least that everyone who's interested in doing they can do is learn right and there uh, and you don't have to go find a black friend and ask him to learn there's internet there is these podcasts there is so much information available people sharing their experience take an opportunity and learn because when you learn hopefully you'll act better than you did right so i i take these opportunity to learn and thank you so much you're amazing and you know everything that you shared as uh, definitely i know more than i did so thank you thank you Laura. oh thank you thank you so much guys i really appreciate you you guys are really doing great things every time i look you guys have a project going on i'm just trying to figure out when something's going to be written for you i don't understand why Laura Poindexter hasn't gotten a script yet but i'm just saying you know it's I mean, i'm just okay it's coming okay it's coming. i'll take that i'll coming. take that coming. we we talk about that and every yeah right now it's a lot of in, in development but it's definitely definitely coming but now see these are these are we don't audition we talk to people now i know you better so now i know what to write for you so oh yeah well we didn't audition to we 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 decided when we did the casting for the next assignment we said that we could very easily identify people in the actors and actresses in the Atlanta market who had done some sub- substantial work even if it was indie they were right. all over the place we knew that they were professional and once we wrote it we were like hey we think this would be great for you would you like to read for that and we did not do the traditional casting we wanted to honor our actors and actresses by saying hey you know you you you're going to ha- you're going to be able to skip all of the red tape and so that that worked out pretty well for us we didn't do casting for that either and i i really i love our cast i think we have an amazing amazing cast so looking forward to us filming absolutely shout out to April Morris Yes, April. Yeah. Uh, you're you're very right. I mean that's that's exactly the way I like to work now, you know. Uh find great people and write great roles for them so that they'll excel in it and make you look good. You know, why why make it hard? Yeah. Make right. It hard? There's so many fantastic people that uh, I already know you included. So it's coming. It's coming. We're going to be working together very soon as soon as if this was not going on with everything's uh, you know. happening from coronavirus so this probably would be working right now but it's coming soon and I'm looking forward to it or so am so, I so am I guys absolutely so Laura, before we let you go just tell the people where they can follow you let's say they want to ask you to be maybe they'll hire you for a show runner right maybe they want you to run their operation where can they find you um you can find me um on Facebook at Laura Poindexter on Instagram at the soul writer 1 on Twitter at miss resourceful LinkedIn Laura Poindexter if you are trying to reach me for a business inquiry you can reach me at unshakable faith productions just the way it's spelled no extra no slashes no dashes unshakable faith productions at gmail.com. So yeah, that's how you can reach out to me. I'm Laura the Soul Writer Point Dexter and I'm so happy to be with these two guys. I feel really really honored to um share the couch with you, you know? Thank well, you so much, Laura. Love you. Thank you, Laura.
Wow, that was uh, that was powerful. You were telling me about how Laura's uh, Laura has an amazing uh, backstory to share, and you know, and I've met her, and I told you she's, you know, I she's amazing. Um, but this yes. was I again. That's this is the reason I love doing this because the kind of things that we get to getting to learn, you know. Right. It's, good point. Good point. Yeah, she's a fireball. She's she's very fiery. I love that she calls it like it is. She's not afraid to speak her truth. She's all about being honest and outspoken. Right. And that was that was great. Thank you for that, Laura. Um, you know, and we appreciate you joining us. So, uh that was uh, our episode uh, this week. You know, we will uh, continue these conversations as long as uh, possible. Although Lester, you and I were talking uh, that um uh, sometime soon uh, we might be coming uh, to another break right, uh, right? The, all, everything going on it's been creatively exhausting and uh, we have a lot of new projects starting and stuff so we, we might take a little break but if we do uh, we will you know we'll come back with more energy more power more structure you know and uh, more amazing guests to bring you a lot of great stories so uh stay tuned uh, you know on our social media and uh podcasts and stuff to learn uh the schedule uh, what is going on there do you have any last words um for today's episode lester no i don't i don't just stay safe and stay productive and we'll get through this definitely definitely that's the upside with everything going i hope that with all this energy that people are bringing to the streets bringing to uh, you know uh, uh, into the world things will change for better and we will be looking to a better world living in a better world hopefully sooner than later so keep up the good work guys love you all ciao